Welcome to Lifestyle Solopreneur, the community for entrepreneurs who put lifestyle first. Join your host, Flavia Barris, as she interviews successful lifestyle solopreneurs and shares ideas to help you find the perfect balance between lifestyle, business, and self. Flavia is an attorney, marketing expert, and founder of several online academies. She's been featured in major media, including BBC World News, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post, ESPN Television, and more. Join us for this episode of Lifestyle Solopreneur. Hey, Lifestyle Solopreneurs. Today, we get to speak with Bob Bernatus. He is one of the nation's top franchise consultants, and he's very passionate about helping people achieve the greatest level of satisfaction and success through franchise ownership. With years of experience guiding clients toward top-performing franchise brands, Bob provides personalized guidance and support throughout the entire process of franchise exploration. Whether you're looking for an exit strategy from corporate life or a semi-passive opportunity, Bob is here to help you find your perfect match and create a brighter future. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thank you so much, Flavia. Great to be here. So great to have you. And you're actually, I believe, I'm, I'm thinking back, I don't think we've had any guests who work in the franchise world. And it's, it, I'm glad you're here because it's about time. I mean, it is such a huge part of, of business. I remember when I had a subscription to Entrepreneur Magazine, there was like, basically half the magazine was devoted to franchise opportunities and different businesses you can start as a franchise. So how did you end up being a franchise consultant? Oh my goodness. Well, I, my background started out in, in franchising in general, owning franchises. So, uh, way back when, not to go too far back, but back in, I'll, I'll date myself in 1986, I bought my first West coast video franchise. And I'm sure you know where that industry is today, but I had a number of those beg, borrow, install to get that first one open. And just purely by luck, it wasn't certainly by my skill. Uh, but I would, that, that unit, uh, became the top unit in the chain opened in December of 1986. It was the top unit in the chain in that January by luck, by location, whatever it might be. And that'll propel me to open multiple additional uh, West coast video franchises. But I've, I've owned multiple different franchise concepts that I've built and sold over the years. I've had some independent businesses, didn't have quite the same luck with my, with my independent businesses. Uh, I was CEO of a national franchise chain, and I have been consulting for a couple of decades now. And I'm I'm still I'm I'm still I'm currently a franchise investor. I I own well, one smaller franchise, and I just bought uh, another franchise uh, in addition to that. So I do get high on my own supply, so to speak. Well, for anyone who's listening, and the word franchise, you kind of are like, isn't that like you know like a McDonald's or something would be a franchise, but Tell us, like, what is a franchise? Boil it down, like Franchise 101. Obviously, we don't have a ton of time. Um, we could spend hours probably breaking it down. But what's the gist of it for someone who's like, hey, I've always wanted to start a business. And what is a franchise so they can conceptualize it and see if it's something they might be interested in? Yeah, well, sure. I mean, anything that you can run a business that you that could be a business could potentially be a franchise. It's just that, I mean, the, the better franchisors, because not just any franchisor, but the better franchisors have developed models and a platform for success. They basically created the roadmap for you through their through their success. 
And basically, if you come into a franchise system, the right franchise system, it's a business in a box. I mean, everything is outlined for you. Typically, uh, you will be, if you sign on a dotted line with a franchise uh, company, after you've gone through the process, you've learned about them, they've learned about you, they've approved you for a franchise. First thing that happens is you're assigned a coach and that coach is going to usher you through the process of onboarding. Eventually you're going to go to training and then you're ready to launch your franchise, whatever it happens to be. In the early stages, the first six months, first year, that coach and all the support is there to really get you up and running. Plus there's there's groups of other franchisees that you will work with, share best practices. So it's an old adage, but it's actually pretty accurate. You are in business for yourself, but not by yourself. If you compare it to non-franchise types of businesses, and as I said at the very beginning, I've opened some uh, non-franchises and some were successful and some weren't successful. I, I haven't yet gotten into a franchise where I didn't achieve success. And that's simply because everything's laid out for you, you're buying into a successful business model. There was a study done by the Chamber of Commerce a bunch of years back, but they tracked uh, a whole bunch of independent mom and pop businesses uh, that all launched around all in the same year, and they tracked them over a five-year period of time. Concurrently, they tracked a whole bunch of, of franchises, that different ones that opened all again in the same year and through that same concurrent five-year period of time. At the end of five years, the independent mom and pop businesses, right around 50% were still open and operating. And Flavia, it, it actually surprised me, it was that high. But with the franchises, 97% were still operating. Now, granted, some had turned over, meaning they were sold to someone else, another franchisee, but the vast majority of them were still in the hands of the original franchisee. So I think that kind of points to the success of a, of a tested model versus trying to do something on your own. Well, and a lot of people, I've had someone once say, oh, no, let's not eat lunch there. That's just like a franchise restaurant. Let's go to a mom and pop. And I remember thinking like, well, you don't know for sure that there isn't a mom and pop who owns that particular franchise restaurant. You know, it's it's not just big, giant corporate companies that own franchise brands out there. I mean, mom and pops get involved. Yeah, absolutely. In, mo in most instances, if you're if you're patronizing a franchise, you probably don't even know it's a franchise. People recognize the McDonald's of the world's the Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, by the way, is not really a, fr a franchise. That's another story for another time uh, or, or big brands like that. Uh, but there's so many other brands that you would not recognize at all that are actually franchises. And, and, and people also recognize the crumble cookies and maybe the orange theories. When you start to recognize a brand, usually the opportunity, at least in your market, is over. There's a reason why you're recognizing it because it's sold in your market. So there is a certain growth pattern, a growth uh, line with franchises. And timing is very, very important when it comes to franchising as well. Well, because it's some some of it's about territory, right? Like you you want that the best spot in that new territory for that franchise or or a place that is up and coming, or you know you have some. And I know people who've gone to something and gone, this is the absolute best like X I've ever eaten or had or seen, and I would love to bring this to my hometown. And they find out it's a franchise, and they are actually able to bring that exact thing that they loved when they were on their travels to their hometown or to their, to where they live. I, I love franchising because it is like you said, business in a box. Like I see it 
like if you've never operated a business and but you still want to be a business owner and you know you have to learn and you have to create something but if you're not already inspired to create something specific if you're like I just need a business like I I don't know I want to be a business owner but it's not like I have this vision of this exact thing I want to do you know right. a franchise is kind of like the difference between sitting in front of a blank canvas with like some paint supplies versus mm -hmm. a paint by the number with literally a coach next to you telling you, no, that's too much paint, paintbrush, right? It's like very guided. Yes. And you, you stole my phrase. I use that all the time, but yeah, it is, it is a paint by the numbers type of uh, type of system. And you, you touched on something that is so, so very important. Territory is everything. When it, fr franchise timing is so, so important because often these concepts come along, and if it's a really strong concept that is might be a sexier type concept, it might be, but but usually it's driven by the unit economics, how well it does financially. And if it's a really strong financial model, franchise investors tend to buy up a brand very, very quickly. They recognize that, they're they're astute to that, and they will buy up all, they'll buy up multiple units and multiple territories all, all over the place. And then it basically shuts you out. Uh, you know, individual owners shuts them out of the opportunity to, to get into a franchise. I mean, I, I just bought uh, another franchise about two and a half months ago. And, and the way this came about is uh, one of the clients I was working with and he was local uh, and I don't always have the opportunity to work with people on a local basis. I work nationally. I can work with anybody in the United States or Canada, but he, um, uh, one of the brands I showed him is a men's health concept. He got extremely excited about it, but he disclosed to me, it's going to be a stretch. It's going to be a financial stretch for him. Given the fact that I, I love the concept, I love it's local for me, and I trusted him as a potential operator. So I raised my hand and said, John, I will, I'll invest with you in this. And he was originally talking about one unit, then it quickly became three units. I brought in a couple other guys as well, and then we bought six units. But to your point, we that brand was selling so quickly, we didn't even have the time to react. And we got pushed really two hours north into North New Jersey, uh, and we bought six units up in, up in that marketplace. But it, it, when you look at a brand like that, Flavia, it's the reason why it's selling the way it is. Number one, it's kind of a sexier brand. It's reasonably priced to get into. It's going to be in the three, 320K range. But the unit economics, what these things throw off is, I mean, it's a unicorn. You, I can't show people too many brands like this that will perform at that level. So a lot of people have this assumption that to to open a business that is a franchise, it's multi-million dollars equity and cash in the bank you need to have to get into that. But mm -hmm. you know, I know differently and I know you, you know differently. So what would you tell somebody that's like, hey, how much does it cost to become a franchisee? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it depends upon the model. If you're looking at the, some some of these, there are many millions of dollars, but there's lots of opportunities that are maybe a couple hundred, a couple, three, four hundred thousand dollars. And there's lots of ways that you can leverage that. There's something called a 401k rollover, a ROBS program that allows you to take money if you're eligible for it. And we'll talk about that later, but you can roll funds from a 401k or an IRA directly into a business. Uh, it has to be set up a certain way. And there's groups, there's companies that help you with that, but you have no taxation, you have no penalty, you have no interest. 
There's always SBA. SBA is a 10-year term. The interest rates have climbed. Yeah, but they will come back down. Uh, but I always counsel my clients, hey, pay it off in two, three, four years. Don't carry the interest rate for, for 10 years. I work with uh, the top financing sources to the franchise industry. Rare that I can't get somebody financed. So when I'm working with a client, that's something we get very heavily into is how are you going to pay for this? But there's Again, so many things that you get into. You don't have to make a multi-million dollar investment to have success in franchising. There's things that you can get into that'll be sub-quarter million dollars that'll have big upsides to them. I mean, when my if my clients say to me, Bob, just show me the better financial opportunities in franchising, I don't go to the real expensive ones because I can I can show them something like a big blue swim school that might be three, four, five, six million dollars to open. And it drops a great bottom line. But then there's things I can show them also that maybe, you know, a quarter million dollars to get into. And then with a little bit of scaling over time, they can be exceeding what that big blue is doing. So it, it's not a question of what you spend. It's what type of franchise that you that you get into. I've heard that a lot of franchisor, right? And just for terminology, everybody, franchisor would be sort of the brand, right? That's selling these opportunities. Franchisee are all the business owners that jump in and say, I want to open one of your locations. So there's a lot of them that target the military, like retired military. And mm -hmm. I've heard it because it's like a personality type that works really well in the franchise model. Do you think there are sort of personality types, types of entrepreneurs that franchising is more appropriate for versus others? Great question. And, and yes, military, they all look for military. Military has that structure to them. And Franchise companies, they're not interested in you reinventing the wheel. So if you are a hardcore entrepreneur, I have to do everything myself. I want to create it from whole cloth. Franchising is probably not for you. If you're someone who feels, hey, I can follow instructions, I can put my own spin or style on it, it again, in business for yourself, but not by yourself, you can, you can certainly do that. But they do not want you creating something out of out of whole cloth. What franchise companies look for today is they're just looking for intelligent people who have basic business acumen, have people skills, and have the financial capability to execute upon their model. If you go back 30 years ago, many of the companies out there, they were looking for something like a specific skill set. To give you an example, there's a company, uh, and some of your listeners may, may know this, called Certa uh, uh, Pro Painters. It's the largest painting franchise. There's about a thousand franchisees around the country. Very, very successful model. I mean, people were getting into it, you know, spending $150,000 back in the day to get into it. I'm watching many of these owners sell it for a million, million and a half, $2 million in some cases, what they spent, you know, $150,000 to get into. But back when, 35 years ago, when that brand launched, they, they sought out painters to become franchisees. Well, they quickly learned that painters don't make good business people. So they they reset their model and then they just started looking for people who had the capital to do it properly. And they were smart and had some basic understanding of, of business and they had people skills. And then their model became wildly successful. It's amazing. I, I love that story. So as far as risks, right? Because I know some people that have been franchisees they didn't do terribly, but it didn't go super well for them. Uh, I don't know if it's the company they partnered with or their own efforts. You know, I, I didn't really want to, you never want to ask someone when they share their lament, right? Like, oh, where did you screw up? 
if it's not, if, if there's anything I can do to help, right? So what are the risks and when can it go sideways or, or go wrong? And how do you sort of guard against that? Yeah, and, and that's a great point because look, there's so many, there's, like I said, there's over 4,000 different franchise concepts out there. I, I, I would suggest to you, I, I personally, I hate to say it about the industry, but I wouldn't go near half of them just because they're not solid models, but there's some really, really good ones out there as well. So failure typically occurs if, a, it, it, usually there's extenuating circumstances. If it's a good model, if it's a good franchise and you follow the model, you are going to have success. If you don't follow the model, that's one scenario where it may not work. Uh, doctors are notorious for that. I've had a lot of clients who are doctors and sometimes they want to reinvent the wheel. But often it's it's illness, it's it's divorce, it's death, something like that occurs. And that's where most of the failures occur if it's a good system. Uh, but if done right and you follow the paint by numbers instructions, you're typically going to have a lot of success with a franchise. The one of the things that uh, that I always like to touch on with my clients is because I, I know a lot of your listeners are probably they have a good paying job and they don't want to walk away from that job. And people often ask me, hey, how, how can I get into a franchise but keep my full time job? That's where semi-passive franchising comes in, and I can provide some good resources for that. But semi, more and more franchises, especially over the last 10 years and very prevalently over the last five, six years, more and more of these franchise companies have developed semi-passive models, meaning they've just developed more tools, a higher level of support, a support platform to help franchisees succeed with, with putting less time in it. Keep your full-time job. Do something on the side. Now, depending upon the brand, it might be, you know, 15, 20 hours a week of your time, which is going to really stretch you for a while. But as time goes on, that will become that will become less and less. And you make it, you can make a decision at some point. Hey, this is now exceeding what my what my W-2 income is. Do I want to walk away? Do I want to continue with both income streams? If the opportunity is there to scale this business to a greater extent and generate a lot more income, then often people will will walk away from that that W-2 job. You you touched on what my next question was, which was, you know, what's the time and effort? You know, all business requires sometimes some effort. Uh, you know, is is starting a franchise less or more work typically than starting any other kind of side hustle or business? I mean, it, are there some time savings there in, in your opinion or or is it the opposite? Well, I mean, if it's a franchise versus an independent business that you may decide to start, it's going to be way less uh, because you don't have to create something from whole cloth. And in, in a franchise situation, a lot of people say to me, well, why would I pay this franchise fee up front? Why would I pay this ongoing royalty fee? Well, first of all, it, it, you're, you're buying a learning curve, okay? You're buying into a system that they've already proven the model if you if you go with the right franchise. So how long would it take you to get, even if the franchise, let's say, is five years old, and let's say they have 100 franchises. So it's not five years, it's five years times 100, because all that data from all those franchisees are, are passing up to at the corporate level, and they're constantly making adjustments to their model to make their model better, to make their model more, more, more effective. So with when it comes to um, the especially the time spent in a franchise, you're not 
if you get into a semi-passive model, that's one thing. If you jump into it on a full-time basis, everything will eventually become semi-passive over time, unless it's a linear model, like some type of consulting franchise where you are the product. Okay. But every other type of franchise, you're leveraging other people. And when those, when you have the right people in place, and sometimes it takes a little while to have those people in place, and your systems and your systems are nice and tight now through the franchise or you can start backing off from the time you're spending with that franchise, if that makes sense. Yeah, it okay. makes sense. question. <laughs> are there a lot of people that buy franchises, sort of start them up, stand them up, and then sell them as like a business plan, you know, like yeah. almost not flipping exactly, but you know, you get what I'm asking. Most definitely. A lot of franchise investors, that's their model. Some do it and they want to stay in it long-term, but most franchise investors have an exit strategy. When I'm working with a client, whether they describe to me they're looking for an exit strategy or not, that's always in the back of my mind. I want to put them in the best position to potentially sell their franchise or franchises when that time comes. But a lot of franchise investors have a, you know, a three, a five-year plan where they want to build it to a certain extent, maximize, you know, the, and have a great growth curve to be able to show and then, and then flip that franchise. Uh, just to give you an example, I mean, typically with an independent mom and pop business, you usually see somewhere between a two to three, maybe a four multiple of earnings if you decide you want to sell that, that business. With franchises, you're usually in the three to five range of multiples, even if it's doing exactly the same numbers as that independent business. And the reason being is because you're not you're not just selling a business, but you're selling something with an infrastructure behind it as a franchise. Okay, so that makes it more valuable to begin with. And you can trust the numbers. The buyer can trust the numbers. Often what happens, I mean, if you're if you're buying an independent business. And I'll give you a perfect example. So I owned a, a number of West Coast video franchises and two of my franchises in Philadelphia were in between those two was a competitor. And that competitor happened to own three uh, independent uh, uh, video stores and two of two of the others were in a different part of the city. But so I approached him about buying his location. And the only reason, Flavia, I was interested in that location was because I wanted to close it. He was a competitor. I wanted to close. I knew he wasn't making money. I, I wanted to close it and absorb his inventory and any fixtures I could, put them in my stores and be done with him as a competitor. So I approached him about buying his unit and I came at him with a price. And he said, let me get back to you. About a week later, he got back to me, and gave me an outlandish price. See, I already knew what he was doing. I had a couple of my employees out at different shifts just with clickers and counting heads that were coming out. I knew the business that he was doing. My point is, he was lying about what he disclosed to me. And the reason he and how he did it, he was taking revenue from his other two units and putting them into that unit that he was trying to sell me. He was taking expenses from that unit and putting them into his other two units. Okay, so the numbers he was giving me was false. When a franchise, when you're selling a franchise or buying a franchise, you can trust the numbers. The company, the franchisor has those numbers. So the first thing as a potential buyer, you would approach that fran the franchise company and say, okay, let's, let's lay these numbers out and look at them side by side with what the franchisee has shown me. So my point is that if you are a franchise investor, that's why franchise investors typically 
will position a pod. Let's say they buy, you know, three or five. They build it over a three or five period of, uh, year period of time, and then they sell it, and they sell it for a high for a high multiple. Often you'll see them get into it, and they may sell it after the first year. If the trend line is really steep, and you can project because there's other franchises in the system that are doing numbers, and this is in the early stages. Sometimes you see a five, six, seven, eight multiple of earnings as well. Sorry to go so deep down that hole. Oh, I love it. I I could talk about this stuff all day. I find it really fascinating. Um, there's a book called The E Myth. You know, it's kind of a well-known book in entrepreneurship. Basically, I mean, I don't want to boil down an entire book, uh, but the author says even if you have a mom and pop, I mean, he uses the example of a little pie bakery. You know, even if you have this like great recipe for pie, and you open up your little shop. And you're the one that's like getting up in the morning and like cleaning the counters and baking your pies and selling them. He's like, you need to actually buckle down and put in the sort of standard operating procedures and all of the employee manuals and training manuals and things that you would do as if this was franchise so that someday you can go on vacation and someone else can bake pies. You know, and it's, I kind of laugh because it's one of those books that everybody who is an entrepreneur probably hears about and reads and gets inspired by. But what the book is kind of telling you is the way that franchises do it is probably the best way for lifestyle and to not be pulled in a hundred directions as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I love the E-Myth, by the way, and the, and the E-Myth Revisited. Uh, you're absolutely on, on the mark with that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many different directions that you can go in with franchising, and there's so many opportunities. You don't have to start big. I mean, you you're... You can scale both horizontally by buying more territory, just buying more dirt. And it's cheap to do that. You don't maybe, again, like I mentioned earlier, maybe it's $150,000, $250,000 to buy a single franchise. Maybe that second one, maybe that third one might be forty dollars and $30,000 to buy more dirt. Now you tripled your upside, but then you have the opportunity to scale vertically in the future by adding, adding another brand. I think that's one of the best strategies in, in franchising. And I see a lot of franchise investors turning to... Uh, turning to that at, at this point. So tell us your role in all this. You're a consultant. You know this world inside out. You've been in it both as a consultant, but also as like the principal, right? The person doing the deal, buying the franchise. So what exactly is it you do for people, right? You're a consultant. You help them. You're sort of a matchmaker. Are you kind of a broker? Do you get paid a commission? Do people pay you hourly? Um, or maybe a mixture of all that, or maybe it's one-on-one or one-by-one, case-by-case. So tell us a little bit about your job and your role. Yeah, I mean, in the past, when I first got into consulting, I would work with franchise companies often and help them position for growth. And I, I did I did work with people who simply approached me because they knew they knew I knew a lot about franchising and asked me to be involved with helping them find the right franchise. But that morphed over the last 10 years that that's exclusively what I what I do at this point. But I take people through a very structured process. And by the way, they do not pay me, the franchise companies pay me. But I think it's really important to understand, despite the fact that the franchise companies compensate me for bringing qualified candidates to them to check all the boxes that they are looking for, my allegiance is to my the candidates, the, the, the clients that I work with. I have no allegiance to these companies. My my sole function is to make sure I help people find the right franchise fit. It does not matter to me what company they ultimately land on, as long as it's the right one for them, and they're going to have success with it. So my process usually, I mean, I'll have a, and pretty much with anybody, uh, if they were interested in 
contemplating uh, franchise ownership and wanted to talk strategy, be happy to have a conversation. My first first conversation with someone typically lasts a Zoom call will last about 30 minutes. And I just want to learn a little bit about them. They want to learn a little bit about me. They want to learn a little bit about franchising one-on-one. Then after that, if it makes sense for us to work together, if they feel comfortable working with me, if I feel work comfortable working with them, we will take the next step and I'll ask them to complete a confidential questionnaire. It takes about 20, 30 minutes, but then that gets the process started. I will do a, a longer consultation with them. We'll review the confidential questionnaire together. I'll have lots of questions for them. I'll answer any questions they have. Then I may float some trial balloons about different types of concepts or categories of franchising. Once I get through that step, I digest all that information. And then I'm looking for, I go to work behind the scenes for them. And I'm looking for franchise companies that will check all the boxes that they are looking for. Once we I get through that, then I will introduce those companies to them, meaning we will do another Zoom call, a little more extended one. I may lay out a half dozen franchises at that point, but I may have gone through 100, 150, 200 to get to that point, again, based on the information that they're giving me. So I may show them a half dozen franchises. We talk about it, uh, talk about them. I answer any questions they have about them. I give you my opinion on each of them. But then I'll say at the end, tell me the two, maybe three that you're most interested in. We need a place to start. We can always come back to the others. I just don't want a client to be overwhelmed by trying to investigate too many companies at a time. And then I take them through the investigation of the brand. If everything works out, we have a winner and we'll find a great franchise fit for you and I'll help you with financing. If uh, halfway through the process, they say to me, Bob, I'm not sure franchising is right for me, then we stop. If, if we make it halfway through the process and I may say, Mr. Mr. Client, I'm not sure franchising is right for you. And we will stop at that point also. But if everything works out and they are truly intent on finding a successful business, we'll do that. Well, it must be fun to be you and to sort of have this like long client book where you can even when you go travel, you can be like, hey, let's go eat at this location because I happen to know right. the person that owns it because I helped right. them buy. You know, that's kind of fun. Right, so. right. What I have, I have a blast doing this part of the business. Uh, I never really liked working for franchisors. Uh, but this is my my passion. And not that I don't make good money at it, but I mean, I make money by investing in franchises. But this is more of my passion because I get to see other people realize their dreams, have life, you know, something that is absolutely life-changing for them and gives them better quality of life, more time with their family, things of that nature. Well, I love it. How do people connect with you if they are interested in talking to you about franchising? Simply go to my website. It is franchisewithbob.com. Pretty simple, franchisewithbob.com. Uh, if they want, they can they can download a free ebook I have uh, on the website that 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 is specifically for semi passive franchising. And uh, reach out to me that way, uh, and we can talk. Bob, you are so fascinating to speak with, and I know you have a million stories we could go through, but. We don't have time for that. So I, I suggest if you want some of the war stories and some of the real life examples, connect with Bob and I get those one on one, especially if you are exploring this world and thinking that the world of franchising is where you want to head next. Bob, thank you so much for being on the show today. Such yeah, a great conversation. Absolutely loved it. And thank you for all that you do for all of your clients. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks, Flavia. 
everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave a review on iTunes, I promise I will read every single review. If you know someone who makes a full-time living from part-time work, and maybe this is you, please visit lifestylesolopreneur.com to nominate a guest or to nominate yourself. Because remember this, money doesn't buy happiness, but money in the hands of a happy person, there is no greater tool. Today's episode was brought to you by the Get Shift Done program. It's a lifestyle changing online class to help you define your business and lifestyle ambitions and to set goals in a way you've never experienced before. This class will 10X your daily productivity with methods that will blow your mind. And if you use the coupon code podcast, the class tuition is 99% off. Visit getshiftdone.com to enroll today.